0: On a wall in Milan, in Italy, there sits a work of art that has survived, despite man and nature's best efforts to destroy it, for over 600 years. It has been studied, analysed in microscopic detail, restored, bombed and marvelled at. Some say that with so many restorations over the years, what remains is now only 40% of the original work of the artist, yet it still mesmerises us. This masterpiece has stood the test of time and reflects the true wonder of the artist, a polymath who had an innate curiosity of the world, of us and how we work. This is the story of Leonardo da Vinci and his painting of The Last Supper. I'm Leanne Walker and this is Wonder, the show that brings tales of wonder and curiosity from across the globe about the people, places and events that shape our daily lives. Leonardo da Vinci was the epitome of the term renaissance man. He had an insatiable curiosity, supreme artistic talent and a keen scientific mind and he used that toward any topic that interested him. He would dissect it, improve upon it and catalogue it for posterity. Leonardo truly was a man before his time. He was born in 1452 in Tuscany in Italy close to the town of Vinci that provided his surname. His father was an attorney and notary and his mother Caterina was a peasant woman. She and Leonardo's father never married and he was the only child they had together. Caterina met and married another man when Leonardo was very young and started a new family. His father also married and had other children Leonardo eventually had 17 half siblings between both parents. He lived with his father on their family estate near Vinci and spent a lot of time with his uncle, who had a love of nature, something that Leonardo shared. It's thought that this helped to nurture his curiosity and interest in the world, and that would stay with him throughout his life. Leonardo's education was limited. He had basic reading, writing, and mathematics but early on he showed a great artistic talent. His father realised this and at the age of 15 he sent his son to be apprenticed by Andrea del Verrocchio in Florence. He was a noted sculptor and painter. Leonardo was a quick learner and very soon became an accomplished artist and designer. He stayed in Florence and in 1478 became an independent master and began to paint for commissioned work. He started his first major work around 1482, The Adoration of Magi. This was never finished, though, because he was invited to work for Ludovico Sforza, the Duke of Milan, and his family. Leonardo spent about 17 years in their service. His artistic, mathematical and engineering skills were put to good use. He carried out a variety of roles as an engineer, a painter, an architect, and most notably as a sculptor. Leonardo's love of detail and curiosity stayed with him throughout his life. From the early 1490s, he filled dozens of secret notebooks with inventions, observations and theories about painting, architecture, mechanics and human anatomy, creating thousands of pages of neatly drawn illustrations and commentary, some of which was indecipherable to others because he used left-handed mirror writing. This has caused speculation over the years, questioning whether he was trying to keep his notes secret, but he was left-handed, and it may just have been something as simple as he found it easier to write from right to left. In Leonardo's view of the world, all things are interconnected. Most notably, he believed that sight was mankind's most important sense, and that it was crucial to living all aspects of life fully. He saw science and art as complementary rather than distinct disciplines, and thought that ideas formulated in one realm could and should inform the other. In a remarkable series of studies of the human skull from about 1489, Leonardo investigated the architecture of the human skull. He chooses to section the skull along the main axes just as some of the church designs in his architectural drawings. Then, at the point where the proportional axes of the skull intersect, Leonardo locates what he believes is the position of the human soul within. The lengths to which Leonardo went in order to establish the universal nature of his theory were unprecedented. He studied at length and drew intricately detailed models of the human body, both in motion and at rest, something that had never been done before. He used his studies of the mechanics and workings of the human body to establish his theories for his physical designs and his art and his sculptures. His close studies of nature, mechanics, anatomy, physics, architecture, weaponry and more enabled him to create accurate workable designs for machines such as a bicycle, a helicopter, submarine and military tank, things that would not come to be for centuries. His surviving notebooks, which were often sheets of paper later gathered together and bound, include his technical drawings as well as quotes, prophecies and musings. The notebooks often referred to as da Vinci's manuscripts and codices are housed today in museum collections across the world, after having been scattered after his death. Today, to the public, his work is best known through his visible art, including two paintings that remain among the world's most famous and admired, Mona Lisa and The Last Supper. The Last Supper was painted over a three-year period and finished, it's believed, in late 1497 or early 1498. It was painted as a mural, 15 feet by 29 feet, on the end wall of the refectory at the Convent of Santa Maria del Grazi in Milan. The painting was commissioned by Ludovic Sforza, who was also the patron of the new choir of the Church of Santa Maria del Grazi, which was intended as a family mausoleum for Ludovico and his family. The painting is remarkable in its own right, but from the painter's perspective for many other reasons. For Leonardo's interpretation, the story it tells, the mathematical symbols, the way it was painted, and the quality of the work. The figures are in a rectangular room with three windows at the end, which looks beyond to a beautiful landscape. The use of the colours in the landscape gives a feeling of depth. Also, The mural was painted with the perspective of the table being an extension of the refectory, the high table. Leonardo uses groups of three or four for his people and objects to possibly represent four Gospels in the Bible and three for the Holy Trinity. There are four sets of three apostles sitting together, four sets of tapestry on each wall and three windows at the rear. The painting represents the moments after Jesus has said to his disciples gathered around him, one of you will betray me. It shows how each of the apostles react according to his own personality. Jesus sits at the centre and his body forms a triangle, his hands outstretched, one towards the bowl or is it the glass of wine, and the other to bread, possibly representing the Eucharist. The miraculous transformation of the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. The Apostles are all sat alongside Jesus. To the far right, Bartholomew, James Minor and Andrew, all three huddled together with looks of surprise on their faces. To the right of Jesus is Peter, John and Judas. Peter holds a knife in his hand and leans towards Jesus, foreshadowing that Peter will sever the ear of a soldier as he attempts to protect Christ from arrest. John, young and beautiful, is seeming to swoon. And Judas is depicted in shadow and smaller than the rest of the apostles. He is holding a bag in his right hand thought to contain the thirty pieces of silver that he had been given to kill Christ, and the other hand moving toward the bowl, which he pulls away. Just as Christ says, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. Matthew 26. In all other paintings of the Last Supper, Judas is painted separate from the main group and without a halo. Here, Leonardo brings him in front and centre, but identifies him as the culprit with the symbolism mentioned above, and no one at the table has a halo. Next group left of Jesus is Thomas, James Major, and Philip. James with his arms outstretched, shock as if distancing himself from the claims. Thomas is upset and Philip leans in for an explanation. On the far left are Matthew, Thaddeus, and Simon. The first two are leaning towards Simon, seeking an explanation from him, Matthew suggesting he has no idea of what has just been said. In the centre is Jesus, serene and resigned, head tilting slightly to the left and looking down. Leonardo has drawn the image using what was recognised as the Renaissance single-point linear perspective. The architectural detail in the ceiling and the angles of the walls converge to a vanishing central point, and that point is the head of Jesus. This moment allows Leonardo to look further at each individual apostle, allowing an understanding of the psychology and feeling of the moment to be portrayed in a way that had never been done before. This sets him and his work apart. Leonardo also decided to move away from the painting materials of the time by choosing not to use fresco, Italian for fresh, which was paint applied to a fresh surface of lime-laid plaster. He chose instead to cover the wall with a double layer of dried plaster, to which he added an undercoat of lead white to enhance the brightness of the oil and tempera that was applied on top. It's thought he did this because he felt he may need to make changes as he went along, which may have been more difficult had the wall been wet. Sadly, his choice here proved the painting's undoing. It began to deteriorate almost immediately, and over the centuries has undergone many restorations. In the past 600 years, the painting's condition has been seriously compromised by its location, the materials, the techniques used, humidity, dust and poor restoration efforts. Also, two major problems arose in the 19th and 20th centuries because of war. In the early 19th century, the refectory was occupied by Napoleon's army. It's believed that they stabled their horses there, and it suggests that they threw bricks at the heads of the Apostles, though this may be apocryphal. More surprisingly, there was a bomb attack during World War II. In August 1943, the Allies launched a massive bombing campaign on Milan and its outskirts. Numerous buildings and many important local monuments were destroyed. Over 700 people lost their lives, and the city took a long time to recover from the damage. One of the buildings badly affected was the Santa Maria del Grazzi. The mural wall had been protected by sandbags and mattresses, and when the bombing came, this proved invaluable. Major parts of the building were demolished, but the refectory with the mural remained standing. For many months, it was open to the elements only covered by a tarpaulin, until the refectory could be rebuilt. Once that was done, a team of restorers then worked on restoring the important artwork. It's understood that they covered the painting with a layer of shellac, a resin, to protect it from further moisture damage and flaking. They then started to remove debris and peel back various previous restoration works to reveal what they believed to be Leonardo's original brushstrokes. However, in 1977, it was rearranged for another major restoration of the painting to be undertaken to reveal the true painting beneath the layers of oil, resin and previous restorative work. This was a combined government and commercial project and took 20 years to complete. The work was painstaking and meticulous, using microscopes and surgical tools, working on it centimetre by centimetre. The finished work was finally unveiled in 1999. Despite all of that, it's believed that Leonardo's original work can only be seen in about 40% of the painting, and it's clear that the original work will never be seen again. Some feel the finished work's not representative of the original and has taken away the vibrancy of the painting, but the restorer, a respected practitioner, believes it's as close to how Leonardo would want us to see it. The painting is now kept in a climate-controlled environment with limited public viewings and only then as small escorted groups for 15 minutes at a time. When Milan was invaded by the French in 1499 and the Svortzer family fled, Leonardo escaped as well possibly first to Venice and then to Florence. There, he painted a series of portraits that included La Gioconda, a 21 by 31 inch work that's best known today as Mona Lisa. Painted between approximately 1503 and 1506, the woman depicted has been the subject of speculation for centuries. Today, the portrait, the only da Vinci portrait from this period that survives, is housed at the Louvre Museum in Paris in France, where it attracts millions of visitors every year. Around 1506, Da Vinci returned to Milan along with a group of his students and disciples. Da Vinci spent 7 years in Milan followed by 3 more in Rome. He left Italy for good in 1516 when French ruler Francis I generously offered him the title of premier painter and engineer and architect to the king which afforded him the opportunity to paint and draw at his leisure while living in a country manor house, the Chateau of Clou, near Ambois, in France. He died there three years later in 1519 at the age of 67 and was buried nearby in the palace church of San Florentine. He left behind hundreds of documents and codices that were passed to one of his friends in his estate. Their family sold these off in later years and they're now scattered, in collections and sadly many lost. The French Revolution nearly obliterated the church and its remains were demolished in the early 1800s, making it impossible to identify where Leonardo's exact gravesite is. Leonardo da Vinci was quite simply a genius. He started life as a curious boy, eager to learn and with a thirst for life, an understanding of how everything worked. He expressed himself primarily in art, but equally would have excelled in engineering and science. What a wonderful legacy he gave us. He was, wrote Sigmund Freud many years later, like a man who awoke too early in the darkness while the others were all still asleep. Thanks for listening. For more information, links and sources, visit www.injustoneday.com forward slash the last supper. Keep in touch via social media or email hello at injustoneday.com. But until next time, have a great day.